You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So we are uh, doing a, a fun series, uh, literally a fun series. So uh, it's fun and following Jesus. And, you know, laughter and fun are, are wonderful gifts that God created uh, and, and ones that he has given us to enjoy as his children. And, and I believe that Jesus, when he was here on earth, fully human and fully God, living both perfectly, I believe that, that he laughed and I believe he had fun with those people that he interacted with, even as he was carrying out the serious work of saving humanity that the Father had given him as his mission. Uh, Proverbs tells us, that, that uh, a cheerful heart is like good medicine. And it's good for us, our, for our bodies, for our, our minds, for our spirits, just for our whole well-being. So if, if laughter and fun is a gift from God, if it's good medicine for us, if Jesus was someone who was in his, his full humanness and his full godliness, uh, laughed and enjoyed fun, why do so many Christians get perceived as so not fun. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about that? Uh, I think maybe it could be because some Christians just take themselves way too seriously. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I recognize that sometimes I take myself way too seriously. If you were here the first week of the series, you recall that I once broke up with a girlfriend because we laughed too much, all right? Work in progress, work in progress. I'm, I'm, I'm much looser now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have to worry about how you take that. Anyway, uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, he was a Roman Catholic journalist. You don't say that very often, do you? Um, he had a great influence on leading C.S. Lewis to the Lord in terms of his writing. Uh, and he had this to say. He explained how laughter particularly the laughter of joy, was very necessary as a follower of Jesus. He said this, he said, life is serious all the time, but living cannot be. You you may have all the solemnity you wish in choosing your neckties, but in anything really important, such as death, sex, and religion, you must have mirth or you will have madness. You're thinking, mirth? What's mirth? Is that one of the gifts that the wise men gave Jesus? No, I looked it up for all of us. I looked it up for all of us. Mirth is this idea of of joy and laughter, expression of of just sheer fun, uh, amusement, especially that uh, expressed in deep laughter. And so it's very, very true. And this morning, we're going to talk about connecting humility with humor. You know, I find it really interesting that humor, the words humor, humanity, humility, they all find their their roots in the Latin words, uh, humera and humus, in the moisture, the earthiness of our existence, reminding us all, no matter what neighborhood you live in, no matter how much money you make, no matter how young you are, old you are, good looking, not so good looking, no matter what your status is, we were all made from the dust of the earth. And in its purest form of uh, laughter is a reward from God of humility. And and it's in some ways an 
an utter expression of dependence upon him. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at two very familiar stories, primarily focus on one of the two, but I do want you to see a connection between the two. Uh, these are found uh, in Matthew and Mark and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, and they're, they're right next to each other. We normally don't look at them together, but I do want to see the fact that the, Jesus is talking about how do you experience, how do you receive the kingdom of God? And he does this with both of these. Um, they are found in Mark chapter 10. Uh, it's about finding uh, your identity in God and the joy of his kingdom and not taking yourself or myself too seriously. Uh, this morning, our main focus is going to be on Jesus and the kids that he welcomes in Mark chapter 10. You know, those kids, they were real kids, all right? They were, they were real kids. Uh, they, Luke, actually, in his account, talks about them being really, really young. And this was like before diapers, probably. So, I mean, they were, they were young. They were probably uh, dirty. They probably weren't incredibly well-behaved. They are just normal kids. They may have been rambunctious, inquisitive, easily distracted. Maybe they were even silly. And so that happens in, in Mark chapter 10 in one section. And right after that, again, both in Matthew and Mark and in Luke's account of Jesus welcoming the kids to come to him, the story of the rich young ruler appears. It's really interesting to, to, to see this. Uh, he comes, he is so confident, so put together, so organized, so determined, so incredibly serious. And he looks into the face of Jesus, the one that he calls good. And later we read in the story where he turns away from Jesus, very sad. He had hoped to impress Jesus with all of his religious accomplishments, but none of that impressed Jesus. Jesus saw his heart, and he saw what his heart was given to, and he saw that this man's heart was not given to the kingdom of God. But again, before this interaction, in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, we see Jesus interacting with a group of children. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. I think this is also in your notes. The passages are also going to be on the screen as well. These are the kinds of people that Jesus says can and will receive the kingdom of God. It says in, in verse 13 that people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Now, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant he said to the disciples, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Let me just say this, uh, since this is Father's Day, I, I do want to give a little extra special attention on that very first verse in verse 13. People were bringing their little children to Jesus. Uh, it's important that we remember the importance of that. It was important then, it's important today. Dads and moms, this is still a really, really, really important and good thing for us to do uh, today. Jesus may not be with us in bodily form, but because of what he accomplished through his life, his death, his resurrection, we can today as parents, as moms and dads, we can still bring our children to Jesus first and foremost through prayer. 
We can do that through prayer, and I hope that this is something that you make uh, a regular part of, of your prayer life, praying for your children. You know, prayer has been a part of mine and Mary Margaret's experience. Before children, we prayed uh, in our difficulty to have children. It was a big part of our prayer life was, God, give us children. And then uh, when Mary Margaret got pregnant, give us safe deliveries. Uh, And then in every season, from toddler stage to elementary, middle school, high school, college, now young adult, and some, you know, each of our girls, a different season, our prayer for Lily, for Emma Catherine, for Charlotte, ultimately is, Lord, bring your kingdom, your rule and reign to their lives. Let them know your love. Let them experience your love. Let them know your goodness, your guidance. Let them know your favor. Uh, Let them hear your voice. And as parents, this is one of our greatest privileges and responsibilities. So I want to remind you, not just the dads, dads, it's your day, so definitely a a wonderful responsibility and privilege that we as dads get, and I hope that you uh, never lose sight of it, but to be praying for your children. And also, just as Jesus did here, continue to bless God's good purposes for their lives. God has given us as dads the the power, the responsibility to, to speak blessing over our children, uh, to, to bless his good purposes uh, for their lives. And, and we spent a, a, a whole season at the beginning of this year talking about that, the, the power of blessing. And so as, as parents, we get the privilege of speaking God's good purposes over their lives uh, in Jesus' name. So let's keep on blessing. Let's keep on praying. And just as these parents brought their children to Jesus, Today, we can and we should continue to bring our children to Jesus by engaging them in Christ-centered community, also known as the church. Uh, I, I know that this encounter, that this group of young children changed their lives. And I'm glad to say that through the ministry of the body of Christ, the church, uh, there are uh, lives of young children and youth that are still being changed today through the ministry of, of the local church. And I'm so thankful for that, that that happens here at v, v Kids and in V Youth. And that is something that's so vitally important. Uh, I am fully aware as a parent of all the competing uh, forces in our culture and our world that are vying for the attention of our families, the time, the energy. And I just want to say, I just bless you guys for your commitment to making sure that you and your family stay connected in the life of the church. I have never in my entire life heard anyone say, you know, I really regret all the time that my family committed to being part of a Christ-centered community. I have never heard that. There are ups and downs, there are ebbs and flows, there are highs and there are lows because God's church is not the kingdom of God. It's the primary tool of the kingdom, but it is is not the kingdom. It's, It's made up of very human people like me and you with flaws and with, with, with great qualities and not so great days and wonderful days. And in the midst of all of that, we get to walk alongside each other. We get to pray for one another. We get to encourage one another. We get to uh, just be there and lift each other's burdens because sometimes parenting is really, really hard work, isn't it? 
It's difficult, and we need that encouragement. We need perspective from one another. We need the prayers and support from one another. And I'm so thankful that my family's had that here at Vineyard Church of Augusta over mine and Mary Margaret's 31 years of marriage, and you know, our oldest daughter's 23 now. And you know, just over those years, we've experienced that. Our oldest daughter, Lily, was here just a few weeks ago from North Carolina uh, visiting, and uh, afterwards she, uh, she was saying hello to a lot of people. And I, I looked back, and some old friends of ours were uh, talking to her, and then I looked back over, and they were praying for her. And she commented to me on her drive back how much that had meant to her, uh, for them to pray for her and to, to, to bless. And, and we get to do that with one another. So I'm thankful that it's not just the parents' responsibility, but it's also we get to bless one another in Jesus' name. Can you still hear me? All right, excellent, very good. You know, one of the things to remember, you've heard Mary Margaret talk about this a lot, the 414 window, that the majority of people come to Christ between the ages of four and 14. And, you know, with so many vile influences trying to permeate our lives and our families, I see that number actually getting younger and younger. And so it is so important for us to make sure that we are are consistently just joining and engaging with Christ-centered community uh, and the benefit of that. So let's keep bringing our kids to Jesus, just like these parents did in this story. In verse 15, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so this is not just about us being childish. It's not that at all. It's about being childlike. It's not about being immature. It's about being humble. It's about recognizing who we are and whose we are. And so for all of us, we are called to to come to Jesus just as we are, just as we are, without pretense, without a need to impress. You know, Jesus opens his arms to receive us boo-boos and all, ouchies and all. He welcomes us to come. So often we have this mindset, whether it's habitual sin, whether it's addiction, whether it's something that is such a deep place of shame for us or uh, something that was done to us that's that source of shame, we we feel like we've got to to take care of that before Jesus will accept us. And that is so messed up and convoluted, and that's a big lie of the enemy. Jesus welcomes us to come to him just as we are. Uh, Remember, these, again, were real kids. They had no standing in the society of of first century Palestine. They had no standing, they had no rights. Uh, They were dismissed, they were seen as unimportant. And and that's why Jesus often got in trouble because he was hanging out and welcoming the disenfranchised, the unimportant uh, and and, and sinners. And that's why uh, the disciples were trying to shoo the children and their family away so that Jesus could be with more important people like the rich young ruler who was coming in the very, very next account. You know, some of these children may have been excited about seeing Jesus. Some of them may have been very nervous. But you know what? I I believe this with all my heart. As As he blessed them, there was peace. 
as he engaged them, it was not this rigid religious ceremony. He is just speaking love and kindness. One of the words that was given, God, you are kind. And, and Jesus came to reflect the Father, to show and reveal the Father. Uh, and I'm sure he showed that. And all of a sudden, they are just completely with him, experiencing unconditional love and acceptance that is still available to you and to me, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're planning to do. God welcomes us to come as we are, again, without pretense, without any kind of of, of charade, but just to come in the honesty of our real hearts and our real lives, bringing our real hurts and, and our real brokenness. Uh, I was listening to a, a young father. He's been a father for just over a year and a half. This is his second Father's Day. He was sharing uh, with a group of friends just about how being a dad has just opened his eyes to a whole nother reality of unconditional love. And it's true. There is nothing quite like being a parent to open your heart and your life uh, to, to unconditional love. And, and, and doing that is just such, so given me a, a greater view of God's unconditional love for me and for all of us. His arms are open for us to come as we are, to receive his love and his acceptance. Come to Jesus as we are. Come to Jesus in complete dependence and trust. You know, the religious rulers Uh, that just in chapters before this account in Mark, and also the rich young ruler coming up uh, right after this account, uh, you know, they were trusting in their own piety and their own religious accomplishments. Uh, On a number of occasions throughout the Gospels, Jesus stressed, he stresses how much we are to be like children uh, in, uh, in the simplicity and the receptivity, not being jaded and, and then, and only then, can we fully receive and experience God's active rule and reign in our lives as his children. And that's when his peace comes. That's when his joy comes. That's when we give him access to come and, and set things right. This, this utter dependence, this, this trusting in him. I want to ask you this as you reflect over you know, this last year. How has the last year with this global pandemic, how has it impacted your dependence and your trust in God? Have you found that you have been maybe more self-reliant? Or have you experienced maybe a renewed sense of dependence and trust in God and his goodness and his love? I know for myself, There are so many instances over the last year, over the last 13 to 14 months where I've always known that God would answer my prayers and he would respond, but there was a sense of urgency on so many occasions for both my role as a a leader of our home and a husband and a father, as well as the pastor of this church where God, I need to hear from you in like real time and waiting and trusting and hearing and seeing God actually respond as the good shepherd that he is time and time again. 
And I hope that you experience that same kind of thing in, in your life as, 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 as a, a child of God, as a, as a mom, a dad, a, uh, as a leader, as a, someone in your, in your place of employment, as a small business person. But it's so important that we, that we recognize that our need to just, God, I'm desperate for you. I need you. I need your guidance. I can't, I can't make these decisions on my own. Or better yet, I won't make these decisions on my own. Because too often, we've got things figured out, don't we? We've got, we've got things figured out. We've got great counsel, and I love great counsel, but at the end of the day, we want to be able to say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, whether it's a husband, wife, family, or whether it's a church and church leadership team, we want to say it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to make this decision, to make this choice. And, and my, that is my hope, that we would be at that point of dependence and trust in God. We come to, to, to Jesus in complete dependence and trust. We also come to Jesus and we rest in his embrace, just like a child. A lot of us are just spiritually tired. I can see it. I can hear it. Some days I can really feel it. And I just want us as a church family to remember and to know that God's invitation through the Holy Spirit is just to crawl up in Jesus' lap. He welcomes us to come to him as children just as we are, to come and to experience his presence, to enter his divine rest, to really experience the peace of his kingdom, the peace of his kingdom, the rich young ruler, he was into all of the rules of the law. Uh, you know, and that's why Paul later in Romans talks about the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking and keeping this rule and this law, but it is about the experience of God coming and setting things right. It's about the experience of peace, and it is about the experience of joy. And how do we experience that? In my life, in the life of, of, of our church family, I see it over and over again. It is the simple spiritual habits of prayer and worship and spending time with God, reading his word, meditating on his word, listening, uh, living out his word. As we worship, as we worship God, we get right perspective. We get right perspective. We are able to see who God is and we're able to see who we are in light of who God is, and everything, everything just, just works out better. It's like, you know, look at that, looking at that baby in the picture, it's, there is no concern about being dropped. There is no concern about where that next meal's coming from. There is just deep peace, and this is the place where true humility is really born and where it's formed in us. This is where our trust in God gets deeper and deeper. This is where we move from trying to attain some sort of religious status to just being God's child, who he loves, who he is for. So come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and rest in his embrace and ultimately come to Jesus and enjoy him and the blessing of his kingdom. For those who have more of a, a high church background, the Westminster Catechism, the very first question it asks is, what is the chief end of man? 
And the response is the chief end of man uh, or humanity is to, en- to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We're called to actually enjoy God, to enjoy uh, his presence, to enjoy being with him. I believe with all of my heart that these kids that were sitting in Jesus' lap, these very children that he was talking to and blessing, I believe they enjoyed their time with Jesus. And I believe that for us today, as we spend time uh, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in our worship and in our prayer, that we too uh, enjoy his presence. That is something I've experienced, and that is something I think we should all expect to experience. It's different each and every time. But too often, I think we don't look for those moments of enjoying him, of of deeply enjoying him. The kingdom of God, it is a kingdom of joy. And I believe that Jesus and these kids, they are having fun together. So we contrast, and I got an amen over here from this young lady. She's hearing my language. She knows what I'm saying. So we contrast the interaction that Jesus is having with these, these children with the next interaction. And I'll let you read that on your own this week. The rich young ruler, again, he came to impress Jesus, but he walked away sad because he chose the kingdom of, of this world, the kingdom of darkness, instead of the kingdom of God. And I would just, as I'm tying this up in the idea of connecting humility and humor, Remember this, that Adam and Eve lost their experience of the kingdom of God that God gave them in the Garden of Eden because of what? Because of pride. Pride. They believed Satan's lie, and they took themselves way too seriously, thinking that they would somehow be able to be wiser than God and stronger than God. And and again, I I refer back to uh, the Roman Catholic, late Roman Catholic journalist G.K. Chesterton. He writes that Satan fell because he took himself way too seriously and that pride drags us downward into an easy solemnity about ourselves where we become focused on ourselves rather than focused on God. And he, he, he describes this as one picture of hell. This is pretty powerful. He said, one picture of hell is a place where everyone is perpetually concerned about his or her own dignity and advancement, and where everyone has a grievance, and where everyone lives the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance, and resentment. Sounds sort of like Washington, D.C., doesn't it? Unfortunately, and that's why we're called to pray for our leaders, as well we should. So I ask you this, do we take ourselves too seriously? Do we take ourselves too seriously? I would be the first to admit that I have days, moments, and my children might tell you months, where I take myself way too seriously. And this is not about being flippant. This is not about being irresponsible or lacking self-respect in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But this is about us having a right perspective about who we are. Uh, This is about us coming to Jesus without pretense, without having to impress him, even feeling the need or the, the, the inclination to even try. But it's about fully opening our hearts and lives to him to experience the fullness of his joy, the full exhilaration of his kingdom. 
It means that we do in our worship and our prayer have a right perspective of God. You are great and mighty, awesome God, and I am not, but I am your son, I am your daughter, I am your child, and you are with me, you love me, you are for me, you are not against me, and I can celebrate in that. I can enjoy you, and I can truly experience your kingdom Your rule and reign, your active rule and reign in my life as I open my heart to you. And that's my desire for every one of us dads, that we and our awesome responsibility to, to, you know, be leaders in our families, in our homes, to raise up our children in the way that they should go, that we would take that responsibility very seriously, but we would also know that we have a loving, perfect Heavenly Father who is with us to help us and to give us perspective that He is good and He is for us and He is with us and He will give us everything that we need as we seek Him and ask Him for guidance, for wisdom on how to navigate uh, this thing called parenthood and fatherhood. And I'm thankful that He is. He is our perfect Heavenly Father. He welcomes all of us dads and moms, children, all of us to come and to receive the fullness of his kingdom this morning. So I want to invite you guys, let's stand together. Where do you need to see God's kingdom come in your heart, in your life, in your family, in your parenting, in your children? Right now, I'll just invite you right where you're standing. And as you're joining us online, just if you would just close your eyes and and just Let the Holy Spirit just come and lead you, lead your thoughts. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you make everything new and that you do all things well and that you take our brokenness, you take our boo-boos, our ouchies, and you bring healing and you mend them. You take our fears. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for all the ways you show us your love. Your kingdom is a kingdom of love and of power and of goodness. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your kingdom come. Even as the rain falls, Lord, let it just be a... Let it just be a an image, a reality of your kingdom just coming in in greater measure, in greater uh, power in our lives. Lord, just come and reign upon us, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and, and just do your work in us. Open our eyes to see your greatness. And in light of who you are and your greatness and your power, who we are, Give us right perspective, God. Lord, in those spaces and places where we need to trust you, that you're calling us to trust you and depend on you. Lord, we thank you that you honor the prayer. Lord, I believe, I trust you, but help my, uh, my unbelief and, and my distrust. We, we can bring the honest things of our heart to you and lay them before you and you receive us and we thank you for that. Come, Lord.